If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real-life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien with Nicole Braddock-Bromley. So in probably every single podcast so far, I've mentioned that I believe healing is a lifelong journey. You know, there's hills, there's valleys, there's times where you're sprinting, there's times when you're crawling, Sometimes you're crawling towards Jesus. Sometimes it's a bar crawl. I mean, you know, it can take on all kinds of forms depending on where you're at. Um, And I've probably been through all of those. But, you know, I think about how even when you're doing life, you've found your voice, you know, you've you've gotten to places in your life where you feel like you're pretty much on top of things and you're helping others. And even in my position, being a voice of abuse, you know, there's still those times, those setbacks, those moments where you're really triggered and you have to go back to the basic fundamentals of what healing looks like for you. And everyone's journey is different. Everyone's looks different. And, you know, you can't compare mine to yours and yours to anyone else's. But I think it's really good and healthy to almost be expectant of those types of triggers to happen and to be ready for them when they come. And and usually we never really are, even if we say we are. But um, I think the point that I wanted to make today and and what I really wanted to bring up on this podcast was the importance of of taking time to to pause and on your healing journey and taking time to feel things, you know, the importance of acknowledging your inner child, you know, the one that lost her innocence or the child inside who never really felt like he had a voice. I've been traveling and speaking for 14 years now, and I've met little kids that have come forward with their story. I mean, just two weeks ago, we had an 11 year old come forward with um, her story of abuse for the first time, being abused by her father. And then When was it? Just this last week, then there was a woman in her late 60s who had shared her story for one of the first times in her life and just finally finding freedom to tell and to be brave and bold and labeling what happened to her as sexual abuse. So I think that it's important that we realize that our story doesn't define us. It's not our identity, but it happened to us. And it affects us throughout our life. And it's important to find our voice on all these different seasons in our life. So I've been through counseling different various seasons in my life. We have to make decisions on relationships. We have to cut unhealthy ones out. We have to bring in more maybe stable or um, life-giving friendships. You know, our podcast that we just talked about with the circle of inspiration, that's so important. So there's been times when... Maybe on your healing journey, you're just feeling good and you're just forging ahead and you're doing what you love to do and your abuse doesn't really affect you and you don't have to make a lot of hard decisions to care for yourself or to care for your inner child. But then there's times when you feel like you really do. And that is my focus today and just sharing with you, just encouraging all of you to 
remember to make time for those things that give you life and be more confident in verbalizing your needs to those around you when you're in that season of healing that requires it. You have met my friend Mary over the course of this podcast and I think you all know how much I love her already. Well, <laughs> she's been traveling with me, what, for a year now? Yeah, a little over a year. Okay. And so recently we had a speaking engagement. And at the end of the speaking engagement, we're about to part ways and head home. And I just had a sense that the event and the things that were brought up that day had maybe struck Mary in a way that she needed a little bit of extra space to talk. And typically, you know, Mary and I are both really busy people. We wear a lot of hats. We take on a lot of things in life (laughs) and we power through a lot and that's okay. You know, it's life and you just have to do those things. But there are times in life when you have to take that moment and just pause and be able to sit in your feelings. And you have to have people around you that know you well enough to tell you that this is what we're going to do right now. We're not going to power through right now and um, go on to the next thing. We're actually going to let life stop. And Mm -hmm. we're, we're going to tell everyone else to take an hour and figure things out because we're going to go to a coffee shop and we're going to cry and we're going to talk through things. So I just want to, Mary, for you to share a little bit about what that felt like for you that day. You know, how did it feel to say yes to yourself, to to sitting in those feelings? It's really odd um, because like you mentioned, powering through life, I think, is such a survival um, thing that a lot of Uh, abuse survivors lean on. I don't want to stop and feel those yucky emotions or the tears or um, the hurt that's deep down inside. I want to stay distracted and (laughs) just be busy because then that drowns out all those feelings that are underneath the surface. And being at that event, it was stuff that I didn't even realize was bubbling to the surface. But as I looked around the room and there were so many young girls in there and I was just praying about each and every one of them and whatever they were facing that moment. And I just kind of focused in on one young little girl and she was maybe eight years old. And I just pictured myself standing there and I have this little girl inside of me um, that has never been cared for the way she should have been cared for after my abuse. And that's all I could think about. And as much Mm -hmm. as I wanted to put a bandaid on it and just continue through the weekend, It wasn't going to happen because the tears were there. And then you stepped in and said, no, we're going to a coffee shop so you can cry and process and talk. And I was kicking and screaming, but that's exactly what I needed. I needed to go through and sift through the emotions and where they were coming from and why and how I go through them and hit them head on and not try to brush them under the rug um, and and try to keep that Band-Aid on. It was time to rip it off and face them. That's so good. And I think that just having someone call out that, I'm wondering, Mary, like what what did it feel like for you to maybe just be told this is what we're doing. I mean, because for some people that's like control. Don't tell me what I'm going to do. But Mm -hmm. I think for me in that situation, I almost need someone to give me permission to take a break from life and to maybe think about, you know, what I'm going through right now. Well, I think, you know, if you have a safe enough relationship with 
that person in your life when you have that trigger or those emotions bubbling to the surface. Because uh, if it's not a safe person, then you're not going to share what's going on. But obviously, I knew um, that I was okay and had the green light to kind of give you a little bit of insight on what was going on. And it almost felt like being rescued out of this place of stuffing and going back to what I was doing that weekend. It was pausing and allowing myself to breathe. And I wasn't going to do that on my own. So I felt like it was a helping hand that said, all right, come on. This is what we're doing Mm -hmm. now, which was so freeing. And I was so proud of you that day, too, because, you know, we then got in our separate cars, met at a coffee shop. And I'm just wondering the whole way, like, is she bawling in the car behind me? Is she okay? Is she like wanting to just decide not to do this and just go back home to her family and her little kid or, you know, what you're thinking. But when we got there, I knew that you were glad that we were making this time. Mm-hmm. And then I also think it's important, you know, we had, I don't know what, an hour yeah. or something where, you know, you were really brave. We're in a public place. You were sharing with mm-hmm. me, I mean, not loudly, not for anyone really to be able to hear, but you were emotional and you you were allowing yourself to sit in your feelings in a public place with me. And that was really courageous of you. But then I'm wondering, too, you know, then you leave from there. And and how does that affect the rest of your day? Mm-hmm. I'm praying as we leave that you know, I knew it was a really good time. We we shared you shared a lot of your um, some things of memories and how that affected you mm-hmm. and what you're thinking about those kinds of memories today. Um, we were able to process through that pray about it but you know you leave from there and sometimes you can feel like an open wound and then sometimes you feel lighter Mm -hmm. and you just never know what direction that was going to go and so I'm just wondering if you could sort of share you know how did it affect the rest of your day were you able to go back and be a mom and a wife and a friend to everybody and go about your day or was it harder well I will tell you that your feelings and your triggers are not necessarily convenient with what's going on in life and It'll just kind of hit you like a ton of bricks and you have the choice either stuff and move on or, you know, you sift through and deal with it. And it felt so good. I cried really hard on the way there (laughs) while we were there. And um, I I had to go to a, a dinner with some girlfriends that night and it was going through my head, boy, this is going to be tough because not everyone knows the depth of what I'm going through. And I don't want to open that up when we're supposed to have a, you know, a light girls night. And I wasn't trying to be fake, but it was just, I want to be able to function and still have a good time and not make the night about me and talking about all my feelings. I feel like because I allowed myself to have that time to breathe and process that there was a huge weight lifted and I could go home and be a mom to my two-year-old. And even though I was carrying a lot of heavy stuff with me, it wasn't so jumbled and just floating around in my brain. It was kind of like it now had a place and I could put it somewhere to say, okay, I I walked through a little bit of that today. I unpackaged it and now I can set it there on the shelf and I can revisit it. It's not just swirling around. Mm -hmm. And when you have those emotions that are swirling, they can overtake you. And it's just this crazy, foggy, um, detached state that I sometimes find myself in because I don't allow myself to take the time to process, to go through the feelings, to put them where they need to be for that moment until I can revisit them. I think that's so true because when we try to numb our negative feelings, we don't realize that at the same time 
we're actually numbing our positive feelings too, Mm -hmm. you know, to feel the positive things in life, to, to feel love, to feel joy, to feel gratitude. You know, you have to also let yourself feel things like fear or anger or frustration or grief. So having that time to process through some of those negative feelings it's quite possible that it then allows you to feel the positive ones later mm-hmm. in the day, you know, with your friends that night. Absolutely. It was just, <laughs> I think I said to somebody <laughs> at one point, it was like a facelift. It was just like a quick, <laughs> ah, you know, you just felt good and you looked a little better, I'm sure, because you're smiling um, and just... I don't know. It, there's something about being in touch with who you are, whether it's good or it's bad. There's something powerful about that. And just knowing this person deep down inside and just being comfortable in your skin. And it doesn't have to be polished and perfect and put together. You can just be real and raw. And that's amazing. So as I'm thinking back to that day, you know, our speaking event and then just noticing some things getting stirred up inside of you and then actually calling those things out and deciding to go to mm-hmm. the coffee shop and just talk and process and cry. And I knew that that whole experience was so positive and it, you know, you just said it, it impacted the rest of your day, but I'm wondering how might your day have been affected differently? Let's say if I hadn't said anything to you, you know, if I had just said, you know, thanks so much for being here and, <laughs> Enjoy your day, you know. (laughs) Well, I have an answer for that because that's oftentimes what I do unless I'm forced into slowing down, which is what happened here, which was exactly what I needed. There's so many times that you're triggered or something bubbles to the surface and I so quickly slap the Band-Aid on, I stuff it really deep down, I put a smile on, and I continue about my day, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, with my husband, with my son, because I feel like I don't have the time to go through the feelings. And even hearing myself say that is awful, that Mm -hmm. me or maybe you do the same thing, that you would not allow yourself to go through just a natural thing like your feelings. God has given us feelings um, as a part of being a human being and just our experience here um, while we're on earth. And that can be a beautiful thing, not always easy, um, but there's so much there to, I think, discover. And for me, when I stuff and do the Band-Aid and just keep on powering through, it's awful because I know that one little thing can shatter me to pieces Mm. because I'm so fragile. Yeah. I'm just barely hanging Mm -hmm. on. So maybe having that time together to truly talk, you know, deep things, be really honest about our feelings and then to really cry. I mean, you cried hard that day. I did. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. And, you know, and it made me cry too. It made me cry for the little one inside of you, the little Mary that didn't have her voice. But I'm thinking that had you gone about your day, and we hadn't met, then what you're saying is you you would have lacked confidence, maybe. You know, the smallest thing could have set you off. So actually having that time, setting that time aside to feel and to talk and to pay attention to the little Mary inside, mm-hmm. it was what might have given you, would you say, confidence to go through the rest of your day, to feel a little bit more put together? I don't know. How would you explain that feeling? With practice, things become easier. And I think 
actually allowing myself to stop and feel and process. It gives me the courage to be able to do it next time and not back down from it because good things come out of that. That is awesome. I can remember another speaking engagement we had about a year ago. Oh no, did I cry then too? (laughs) Probably, (laughs) but I remember I was so busy and you were busy too, but we were kind of in two different places um, at the time. I was meeting with some people one-on-one and you were working the book table and there wasn't as many people there anymore, but there were a lot of people kind of waiting in line to talk to me. And I knew that things were getting stirred up for you at that speaking engagement as well. This doesn't make you sound like an emotional wreck, but you know, things like that happen. (laughs) Um, And I noticed you kind of pulled to the side and you started journaling. That is so great. You you didn't know anyone else there. There was no other safe person for you there. We were out of state. Mm -hmm. I was occupied. And I just thought that was such a great decision on your part to sort of just get some thoughts down and some feelings down. And, you know, we could talk about it later. I don't know if we did talk about all of it or not, but you spent that time with the Lord and just processing and writing. And I mean, I think that's one of the healthiest things we can do on our healing journey is, is journal. And that's my advice to you today. If you are in a place or a situation where you're not around people who are safe for you, or if you don't really have anyone that knows you to a point of, you know, noticing those facial expressions or the look in your eye that just says something's not right. I'm struggling. I'm feeling some things. I'm scared. I'm feeling silenced. If you don't have that type of person in your life to call those things out and to pull you to the side and say, let's talk, you always have a journal. That's always an opportunity for you to get some stuff out to be able to process your feelings. Sometimes you don't really know what you're feeling until you start writing. And that's when it all comes out. And then hopefully you would take that to a counselor or a friend or a pastor or somebody later to talk through those things with, to read your journal entries to, you know, to bounce your ideas off of, to share lies with and hear truth spoken back to you. But I do think that journaling is so, so important. And especially for those of you who don't feel like you have a friendship like Mary and I are talking about today. Self-care is huge, especially for us abuse survivors. We're so glad that you're here. In our next podcast, we're going to dive more into self-care and what that looks like. We hope you'll subscribe, write a review if you heard something you like, even invite friends, family to listen so more survivors can hear about healing. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.